Um, was there anything you wanted to begin this episode with, by the way? Uh, oh, yeah, I was going to mention I've so many interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right, uh, let's begin then. So, uh, hey, you, and welcome. My name is Mike, and I am once again joined on the That Shepherd podcast by my co-host, Keith. Hey, you. Keith with the mostest. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Um, but yeah, Keith, you're back for uh, another episode of the That Shepherd podcast. I mean, you're here for every episode podcast now, so which is why I call you my co-host. I don't know where I'm going with this. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, sure, we're just shy talking. You, yeah. you know us. You just love to, <laughs> to talk shop, talk about creepy things. Um yeah so uh talk about something creepy <laughs> something new uh so i know like in the uh last week when we chat uh i got a new tattoo he did but, he yes yeah. he's finishing off his sleeve tattoo due to it's pretty cool looking finished off his sleeve but mm-hmm. uh what's super interesting is the so the person who was tattooing me um, is a ghost is it was a ghost yes yeah, it was amazing but yeah, it was a real what's that what's that film you know the the, the pottery ghost that film? Yeah, i haven't seen it but i know what you're talking about yeah it's she was just in man, behind me tattooing me yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really like erotically it was very erotic i loved it <laughs> but uh no so so the woman that was tattooing me she um we were just kind of shooting the shit just chatting away mm-hmm. she's talking about her hobbies but one of the hobbies that she does which is my biggest fear of all times uh cave diving she does cave diving? Like oh, underwater no. cave diving. Oh, spelunking yeah. or whatever it's called. Yeah, no, so, no, no thanks. Yeah, but she was saying like she probably she goes diving with like, you know, like the full apparatus. She has right. the, the oxygen tank and all that stuff. But when she goes into the caves, she was saying that some of these areas are like, they're so thin. She has mm-hmm. to take the oxygen tank off her back and push it yeah. ahead of her. Man, that, like, that's scary. That's my worst fear of yeah. all times. I would not like that. And I, I was asking her about it. I was like, do you not find it? terrifying she's like no it's very real like therapeutic i've heard that yeah Mm. um that's to me yeah that sounds like nightmare fuel like i recently did a video on on, like a whole load of creepy disappearances and one of the ones is a guy this guy named ben mcdaniel who Mm. was big into cave diving with all the stuff and he disappeared in this cave like he's never been found just went down there one day and he's never come back but and it's like yeah really really tight again places you'd have to take off your whole apparatus and squeeze through it's terrifying but i've heard people find it really um yeah, relaxing because it's it's almost like the stress of that takes away the stress of your. I suppose you're not I thinking mean, of anything else. I it's guess yeah. adrenaline. I guess yeah. you kind of got to be like an adrenaline junkie or something like that. Like, yeah. did, you, did you ever watch that documentary about those kids who were in the cave in um, Thailand or? Oh yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Not to do that. That to do cave yeah. diving stuff, man. I'll say a big old no thank you to that. Yeah. Actually, if you watch that documentary in reverse, it's actually a great horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of men <laughs> getting kids, dragging dra- them, <laughs> pushing yeah. them into a cave and then leaving. Yeah. <laughs> but it's cool. It all ends with a football game. So. Yeah, it ends with the water actually going down. So yeah. it's great. Yeah, it works yeah. out. In yeah, it works out really, really well. But it, it reminds me of that. Do you know what? It's one of my favorite horror movies. Do you know? Do you ever see uh, The Descent? I have. The Descent is a good ass, good ass horror movie. We should do an episode of podcast where we just shoot shit about some of our favorite horror movies. It is Halloween. This this episode is going to be going up uh, uh, around October second. Mm. So for you fine folks at home, um, which is October, great time for watching scary movies. Who would have thunk it, right? October uh, to watch scary who movies. Knew? Yeah. Uh, so keep. Well, what are you? The people at home are curious. What's your some of your favorite horror movies? Well, the descent. That's one. I, I, I think I, I actually found this start more terrifying than anything. Just the f- when they were going through like the tight. Yeah, before they yeah. even get to the monsters, it's scary as shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when uh, she's like having a panic attack, I was like, mm. I, that would be me. I would be yeah. shit in my pants if I was in that situation. Didn't I enjoy that? Well, I, I love, I, I love all the classics. Like, I love it. Uh, like, The Shining is one of my favorite, and it's one I've like rewatched many, many times. Uh, I just really, I love the vibe and just the feeling of it. 
I think I've only ever seen The Shining like once in my life. Oh, it's great. It's really yeah. good. It's real atmospheric. Mm-hmm. It's really well directed and like Stanley Kubrick is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Like that's a really good you one. You like films. I like films. Yeah. Films. I, I, I like I like shit ones as well. Like you know like the the old classic slasher movies. Yeah. And well a lot of the folks at home know that before we started recording the podcast me and Keith would meet up every week. Which has now just turned into us recording every week. Yeah. But uh, we would we meet up every week and we'd uh, watch horror movies together because Keith is like the only other person I know who really enjoys horror movies. But my wife doesn't like them. Uh, my other friends don't like them. So it's like, I know your wife doesn't like them. Oh, she hates them. So it's yeah. like, we're like the only people who are like, yeah, fucking yeah, yeah let's get the scary shit out. Horror Thursdays. It was great. Horror Thursdays, yeah. yeah. We used to make food, uh, which kind of, we got real lazy. We started off where like <laughs> I'd make a meal. And then we'd we do my house, whatever. Date nights. Yeah, and then the next week, you'd make a meal, yeah. and then we'd watch a horror movie, and then just turn into just us drinking and ordering takeaways. We watched the VHS movies, which are kind of like a guilty pleasure. Oh, they were good, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I think if I'm to list some of my favorite horror movies, which I'm probably watching right now as this podcast is up, The Witch, I love. That's a great movie. That's probably my, my yeah, favorite horror movie. That. Blair great. Witch Project, Scream. You like a lot of those, like the Blair Witch. You love those um, found footage ones. I do. I always, I always have a soft spot for the old found footage. Have you seen Creep? It's on Netflix. Uh, no, I haven't actually. It's oh, good. We should watch it. It's very good. Do you want to watch yeah. it after this? Yes. Let's, let's do go it. do it. All right, guys. You've heard it first. You know, uh, after you listen to the podcast, you can watch watch it along with us. Well, speaking of horrors, now to the, in this whole episode, we are talking about some um, some urban legends and mm. tales of cryptids and unusual creatures, which may or may not have been spotted out in the wild. I mean, frankly. They probably haven't. But isn't it more fun to believe that they have? I think they might have been. They have uh, some good theories, some good arguments. Yeah, it's like the whole thing about, you know, UFO. Well, UFOs are kind of like up in the air at the moment, I suppose. But all stuff that's come out, so probably are real. But, you know, when it comes to like monsters and stuff like this, it's like, yeah, they probably don't exist. But it's more fun to think that they do. And to like, you know, theorize and talk about it and shit. I just find it like way more interesting than yeah. like. I want to live in the world where they do. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree on that one. Um, so today we are talking about cryptids. Unexplained sightings of these creatures from the deep. Cryptids are beings whose existence remains unverified. They can't be fully substantiated. You get your Bigfoot. You got your Loch Ness Monster. Mm-hmm. Jersey Devil. El Chupacabra. And the Mothman. Even the concept of werewolves, just a handful of the many creatures that capture the attention of cryptozoologists. But what is interesting is that there are some real species that we know about today who were once considered cryptids. So therefore, maybe some of the cryptids we'll be talking about later will turn out to be real. You heard it here first. That's it. Just, yeah. They haven't been found yet. And exactly. As I said, like, there, there's a number of these uh, animals which we know today, which, as I said, were once considered cryptids. One of them, uh, the Komodo dragon. Mm, so, my favorite dragon. He's badass. So prior to 1910, tales of this colossal lizard residing in Indonesia's Komodo Island, they were met with skepticism by the scientific community. You got a dragon on an island? I gobble shit. Exactly. So, however, like this perception, it shifted when Lieutenant Stein Hansbrook uh, successfully captured and killed one of these creatures. Uh, explorer W. Douglas Burden, unsatisfied with the mere deceased specimens, he embarked on a journey to the island to capture a live Komodo dragon. He returned to New York City, not only with several deceased specimens, they didn't all make it, yeah. uh, but also with two live Komodo dragons. Uh, these incredible creatures, they were showcased at the, at the Bronx Zoo. And they played a role in inspiring Marion C. Cooper to write the 1933 cinema classic, K-1. 
King Kong. Sailing to this mysterious island in Lukula in search of a lost creature. Bound giant animals. Yeah. yeah. Great story. Yeah, it is cool. It is cool. And there's other ones as well, like the the platypus. Mm. Like if if you've never seen one before, you might easily think it's it's a Photoshop creation where someone just blended uh, like a duck, an otter, a beaver into just one single creature. They do look ridiculous. God's joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> back in the back in the 18th century, most naturalists, scientists, and even many Europeans, they found it like hard to fathom that such a creature could just exist. I don't believe it. By gum, I don't believe it. <laughs> so, in, uh, that's my best uh, old accent. That was pretty good. Thanks, man. So in uh, 1798, shortly after the discovery of the platypus, Captain John Hunter, who served as the second governor of New South Wales, sent over a platypus pelt and a sketch to European scientists. But those scientists, they were still incredibly sceptical. A guy named Robert Knox, who was quite the expert as a zoologist and physician, was utterly convinced that it was just one big prank. Mm -hmm. He even managed to persuade another scientist, uh, George Shaw, who he had had doubts, but he believed the platypus could be real. He persuaded him to take a pair of scissors to the pelt, trying to find any signs of stitching. (laughs) He just cut it up. Hey, they're going to be here somewhere. (laughs) He just destroys the pelt. (laughs) You open up and there's a tag on the inside. (laughs) It's like, ah, see? (laughs) Made in China. Fast forward a few years and many expeditions later and the platypus finally got its recognition it deserved as a genuine bona fide creature. And it got like just still just low. Like mm-hmm. here, here's a surprise. The gorilla. Bet you didn't expect to see the gorilla coming up on this list. I did not expect this at all. You're blowing my mind right now. Interestingly, uh, most European explorers regarded gorillas as monster-like creatures. The first uh, reported encounter with a gorilla by a non-African dates back to the 5th century BC when a Greek explorer Hanno made his observation. However, most modern scientists believe that Hanno was describing either a chimpanzee or baboons based on his account. Nevertheless, his interpreters, they always referred to the creatures he saw as gorillae. Another explorer named Andrew Battelle recounted his experiences with what he described as human-like monsters that would visit his campfire every morning after he had left for the day. Interestingly, he noted that they didn't know how to add more wood to the fire. It's like, for fuck's sake, if you're going to visit my camp, at least keep the fire going, lads. That's it. God damn it. Basically, he was accusing the gorillas of uh, not pulling their weight. Lazy fuckers. Nevertheless, gorillas, they remained cryptids until 1847, when Thomas Savage discovered gorilla bones in Liberia. Collaborating with Harvard uh, uh, anatomist Jeffries Wyman, they formally documented his new species and named it Gorilla Gorilla. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I know, it must be uh, the end of the day when he came up with that one. Yeah, Gorilla... Just more gorilla. Yeah. Gorilla grill. There you go. End of list. Moving on. Let's go home. Let's go home. <laughs> yeah. About a decade later, anthropologist Paul de Shailu, he actively hunted live gorillas to obtain specimens for further study. Notably, one gorilla species, the mountain gorilla, remained cryptic until 1902, when German captain Robert von Berenge successfully identified one. The giant squid. That's, Ooh, that's another one. Big squiddy. So it's worth noting that uh, many still regard the giant squid as a cryptid. Much like typical cryptids, these elusive creatures inhabited ocean depths that are challenging for humans to explore. Mm. The first documented images of the giant squid dates back to 2004, when Japanese researchers successfully captured photographic evidence. Then, in 2006, scientists from Japan's National Science Museum achieved a significant milestone by capturing a live female giant squid, measuring a whopping 24 feet in length. Or, to put it another way, 
24 foot long subways in a row. Whoa, that's a good way to put it. That's a lot of sandwiches right yeah. there. That's a lot of beef. That's how we do all my measurements. How many subways is that? I think I'm like almost six subways. Six tall. subways in hell. That's a lot of that's a lot of sandwiches. That's a lot of sandwiches. I'd rather the sandwiches. <laughs> but what kind of sandwiches? Yeah, what yeah. kind? So periodically, news reports would surface of giant squid carcasses washing ashore. Despite some skeptics dismissing the giant squid as a hoax, scientific evidence strongly supports its existence. Another one, and I'm gonna, it's it's a big list, but it's yeah, one, it's I just really kind of no, want to emphasize. Yeah, yeah, because as you said, you know, I mean, uh, we're going to talk about, you know, un, uh, undocumented, I guess you would say, you know, creatures. But, you know, when you look at it, all the creatures that we take for granted in the wide world that we have. A lot of them were thought to be serious creatures. And now it's like, oh, no, it's just a giant squid. Exactly. You know, yeah. just a gorilla. Here's one you'd be very familiar with. The dingizo. The dingizo? I'm very familiar with this. Uh, what's that? <laughs> dingizo? So D-I-N-G-I-S-O. Dingizo. I have no idea what a dingizo is. I know what a ding is. a dingo? Is it like a dingo? Uh, it is not. So it's revered as one of the ancestral spirits among the Mani people of Western Papua New Guinea. Its deep-rooted connections to the Western Papua New Guinea mythology led to the dingizo being categorized as a cryptid for many years. By the way, I'm pretty sure I'm saying that name wrong. I apologize. I did actually Google it before the pronunciation. I'll check my analytics to see how many listeners we have from Western Papua New Guinea and I'll see how <laughs> big the outcry will be after we finish this. I'm so sorry. So this was first seen by scientists as recently as 1994. It's about the size of a Labrador. Okay. It has bear-like features, but it's actually a type of kangaroo. It's nicknamed the tree kangaroo, which is obviously it's a lot easier to say. I, 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 I'm going to stop you right there. This doesn't exist. This is a creature from the Black Lagoon. I don't believe this. This sounds too ridiculous. My mind is... is no, this is a cryptid. It was on BBC, <laughs> narrated by Benedict Cumberbatch. Well, <laughs> no, I'll give it credence if it's narrated by David Attenborough. Anybody else? Speaking of kangaroos, the kangaroos were once classified as cryptids as well. The first recorded description of a kangaroo dates back to uh, 1499. When Amerigo Vespucci was exploring the southern coast of Australia. Amerigo Vespucci also got to Australia? The guy who America is named after? I didn't know that. Yeah, all the way to Australia. Wow, he was a busy, busy lad. So his, uh, his account depicted it as a creature of monstrous proportions, sporting the head of a fox, the hands of a man, the tail of a monkey, and its pouch carrying its offspring. The transition of the kangaroo f- uh, from an intriguing myth to a recognised species only occurred in 1770 when Sir Joseph Banks rediscovered it during Captain Cook's expedition. I mean, when you kind of describe it like that, like the head of a fox, the man's, the hands of a man, the tail of a monkey and a pouch for carrying its babies, it sounds pretty ridiculous. That's it. Like when, when you say these, when you say it out loud, it's yeah. like, if you explain to someone that's never seen it, it's like, get out of here. There's not a chance. Yeah, it sounds like you just, you're literally just mashing shit together to form this imaginary creature. Exactly, yeah. But lo and behold, kangaroos do exist and you have to uh, fight them off. Australians fight them off every day. Like in that video of, remember? I love that video of the <laughs> kangaroos attacking the dog and the guy comes <laughs> over, <laughs> fisty comes yeah. and he punches he the kangaroo in the head. He got the dukes up. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I think that video makes me laugh every day. Like the animal cruelty part of it, no. But the fact that he squares up, I like know, it's I in know. a boxing ring with a kangaroo, he just punches it in the face. It's so funny. And the kangaroo is just stunned. That, it's just, it's a reaction to kangaroo to guess me. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. I was expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that video so much. That's good. 
But uh, yeah, so these examples above, and uh, it's really easy to see how real creatures, despite having numerous sightings, can be so easily dismissed by the scientific community. However, what we are talking about today is current cryptids, the ones who still have had countless sightings, but science has yet to catch up. Come on, boys, catch up. That's it, exactly. Who knows? Maybe years, perhaps decades from now, you might find a Pope Lick monster in your own zoo. What's a Pope Lick monster, Michael? I'll tell Tell you right now, Keith. Thanks for asking. (laughs) So let's begin with the Pope Lick monster, which does does sound oddly erotic. It does. No, baby, I'm going to give you a Pope Lick monster tonight. (laughs) Sounds like, like, doesn't it sound like that? They call him the Pope Lick monster. (laughs) It, uh, or he, or perhaps she, they, uh, it is a legendary entity said to be a hybrid creature that combines human and goat, or sometimes sheep-like features. And, uh, spooky music time. It is rumored to reside beneath a Norfolk Southern Railroad trestle spanning Floyd's Fork Creek, located in the vicinity of Fisherville, a rural and quiet little place near Louisville, Kentucky. The trestle is 90 feet high and spans a distance of 772 feet through a countryside of fields and brush and small trees. Nearby is Popelick Park, Popelick Road. Uh, so a trestle, for those of you who are unsure, it's, it's basically a big bridge. It's like the bridge in Stand By Me. It's, that's exactly what it looks like. It's a, a trestle is a train bridge. Hmm. So you can't walk in it, you can't drive in it. It's just there for, for trains. Uh, and it's big, it's really, really big. It goes across this whole area and across this small creek too. Hmm. It's 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 interesting though because like it's something that comes up in like mythology quite a lot. Bridges, mm-hmm. it just seems to be like bridges come up as a gateway yeah, from our was. world to a different realm. Right? Yeah, it comes all the way, but go back to Greek mythology. There's bridges and um, rivers and Nordic mythology, like the like the Bifrost and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, crossing just very obviously symbolic, like 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 a shotgun blast of symbology. It's like not the most subtle, but yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, a lick, by the way, Pope Lick. Uh, is like kind of like the general area. A lick is a place where uh, deer and other wildlife they go to lick salt off rocks to get their salt intake. So that's where the lick in the name comes from. I'm not sure why it's called Pope. I'm guessing there's probably a guy named Pope. Maybe lived in the area. So Pope lick where the animals will go. And then I don't know. I'm just uh, I couldn't find out. But you know what? This is the mic era, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, today we are getting our tinfoil hats on and we're talking about some creepy shit. Let's get real. Legend has it that the origin of the Pope Lick monster traces back to the depths of hell. One of them good old ancient packs the hell folk have. The sole remnant of this long forgotten contract is the aged bridge that the Pope Lick monster diligently guards. Although the exact terms, the fine print if you will, of the contract remains shrouded in mystery, it's evident that the Pope Lick monster harbors a deep aversion to those who seek to traverse the bridge. Some theories suggest a circus train was crossing the trestle one day and it derailed. And in one of the cars was a kind of, a kind of disgusting freakish circus freak (laughs) who met a tragic end. And now it watches over the very bridge they were killed on. Other stories tell it was on that train, but it was the only thing that survived the derailment on a dark, and may I even say stormy, night. There are whispers of its ability to influence others through mimicry calling out to people nearby and using hypnosis, compelling them to stand in the path of oncoming trains that race across a bridge at breakneck speeds. In fact, the Pope Lick monster has been known to manifest and seize control of those who dare cross its bridge, using an eerie enchantment to command them to leap off its sides, meeting one of them good old grim demises. 
an unearthly, sinister laugh echoes during these dark moments as the Pope Lick monster revels in each passing second of its assigned duty. Its sorcery is heavily reliant on manipulating its foes, which, I mean, that's some good old sorcery right there. Um, kind of sounds like a Skyrim Elder Scrolls for those fellow nerds out there. Sounds like a character that would appear in that. Lord of the Rings. He might be out of Lord of the Rings. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I know Lord of the Rings. Okay, yeah. He doesn't get Skyrim, but he knows Lord of the Rings. He is not a video game guy. I am not, no. But he does like his Lord of the Rings. Oh, I do. Let's just talk about Lord of the Rings for a bit. Keith, what's your favorite Lord of the Rings movie? Oh, uh, it's got to be The Fellowship. Good answer. The the correct answer, (laughs) in my opinion. It is the best. There's only one answer. Yeah, (laughs) it it is The Fellowship. Anyway, back to the public monster. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I was thinking Lord of the Rings. Right? I'll, I'll pull up my thesis. I wrote a thesis on Lord of the Rings. He literally <laughs> did write. Folks, I'm not joking. Keith wrote his, your master's thesis on the music of Lord of the Rings. Is that correct? Well, don't give me too much credit. It's not a master's. Oh. <laughs> it was uh, it was my bachelor's. But yeah, I, I wrote a full thesis on the, the music of Lord of the Rings. Basically, it was like, um, it was a contrast between 19th century opera to uh, Howard Shore's Howard score. Shore's music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. I mean, the soundtrack to Lord of the Rings is oh, incredible. Amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I could yeah. literally talk, uh, like I could talk about it for the next like two hours. Maybe we should. Okay, great. Screw the crypto. All right, we should probably uh, get, get back, back to what uh, the title of this episode will be. Maybe I should talk this episode cryptid slash Lord of the Rings yeah. soundtrack. <laughs> anyway, the Pope Lick Monster. So, if its supernatural abilities fall short, the Pope Lick Monster is not afraid to resorting to brute force wielding its blood-stained axe and employing powerful kicks with its diabolical legs against its victims, doing sweet backflips to launch people into the air. Many unfortunate souls have met their untimely end at the hands of the Pope Lick monster, which typically vanishes after dispatching those who dared to cross their bridge, only to reappear again when the next traveler least expects it. People have actually died. Uh, on this bridge yeah, we will yeah. get to it there are also whispers that there, that it's not a not a human goat hybrid at all but instead a native american skinwalker seeking vengeance against new settlers in the region or another theory is a satanic farmer sacrificed goats to fuel his transformation best of all it's been rumored that the pope lick monster comes from well he was Pope Lick monstering his goats, if you want to take it that way. <laughs> that's one of the rumors as well, nice. that this guy, uh, he did the old Pope Lick monster uh, <laughs> on his sheep, and that's where it comes from. That was on the official website, by the was way, it? of the park. That's one of the rumors. If you go into, like, uh, the park, yeah, publicmonster.com, yeah. whatever, that's that's one of the described rumors. That's just like, I, that one, uh, I like that one. That's good. It's been described as being very large. Part goat or a sheep, part human, with ram horns on its noggin, big claws on its hands, and deformed, being deathly pale. Now, it's important to note uh, that despite being described, no one has, um, you know, actually seen it. But um, a friend of a friend did see it, but you wouldn't know him. He was on his holidays. Yeah, he was on his holidays. He's seen it on his holidays. <laughs> so regardless of the legends, genuinely many, many real people have met their, their doom on this bridge in Kentucky. The danger associated with the Pope Lick Trestle, it's its far from, you know, urban legend. Like, since its completion in the late 1800s, this trestle has been linked to numerous fatalities and numerous injuries, leaving behind a trail of trauma affecting victims, their families, and even railroad personnel. John Calist was killed on June 1st, 1985, when he was struck by a Southern Railroad Company train. List, who he was on the trestle with his friend Randall Graves, and they'd been there shooting crows. 
Graves was able to hang on a cross tie while the train passed, saving his life. Blist was within 30 feet of the end of the trestle when he was struck by the train and killed. Then, a year later, David Wayne Bryant, 19 years old, he sustained injuries when he jumped from the trestle to dodge an incoming train. He passed away from those injuries later on. In 1987, a guy named Jack Charles Bam II, he was struck and killed by a train while crossing the trestle. 1982, uh, the only name given is Grady, a student at Miami uh, University. He, again, he saw the train coming, he was on the trestle, he, he was hanging off of it, but he lost his grip falling 100 feet to his death. 1994, James Ratterman. He was trapped underneath an overturned ATV that was stuck on the trestle and he died after being stuck by the train. People have died on this trestle. Did the rumors start before the public monster? Did the rumors, you know, when did the urban legend begin? Was it there before or after? Who knows? But even more recently, the public monster has claimed even more lives. By the way, I'm counting all these lives as victims of the public monster. Yeah, oh yeah. Not of the train. Train is instant. It's just the monster. In 2016, David Nee and his girlfriend Raquel Bain were on the Pope Lick Monster Bridge when it took them. They had been in the area traveling to, to this part of Kentucky. They were traveling to Louisville, in fact. They were going to visit the Waverly Hills Sanatorium, a extremely famous, very haunted sanatorium in Louisville. They had bought tickets to do a paranormal tour there. And on the way there, they were fans of, you know, the mysterious and, and the paranormal. And they had read online about the Pope Lick Monster, so they decided to make a detour on their way into Louisville to stop off, stop off uh, in Fisherville, stop off, have a look for the bridge, right? So they, they drove to the town, they spotted the bridge out the car window. They parked up, they saw the no trespassing sign, they hopped the fence, and they began walking towards the bridge. It said you either have to simply set foot onto the bridge or cross it to summon the creature. Now David, he simply... He was like, this is fun. Let's take a photo. That's it. But his girlfriend, Raquel, she was more into it. She's like, she was determined to cross the bridge and see if anything happened for shits and giggles. Have a spook. However, as they were on the middle of the bridge, a train began barreling towards them. David only had time to jump to the side and try and, try and hang off the bridge, the train getting closer and closer. Raquel didn't even have time for that. The train got so close to David that even if he, even though he was hanging off it, it still grazed him. For Raquel, she was killed. So the Pope Lick Monster claimed another victim. Then in 2019, a 15-year-old girl named Savannah Bright, she was killed by the train while walking its tracks late one night. These are just, you know, a few examples of the very real tragedies that have taken place at Pope Lick Trestle. The weathered and fragile appearance of the trestle often deceives individuals, leading them to believe that the trailway tracks are no longer in use, but they, they very much are. Unfortunately, this misconception has proven fatal for many, as the tracks remain very active, serving as a crucial rail artery into the city of Louisville. Up to 25 heavy freight trains traverse the bridge on a daily basis. People are given out today, uh, people are suing the railway company and suing the county to, to put up places where if you're on the bridge, you can jump off to avoid a train, to have better fences, all that sort of stuff. And the encompassing hills and dense woodland obscure both the sight and sound of approaching trains. People even have demanded that the trains start blowing their horns when they approach the bridge to let people know that they're on them. It seems very similar to the Goatman urban legend, though, right? Public monster, half man, half goat, tied to the Goatman. 
the Goatman, though, is very separate. Don't get confused between the public monster and the Goatman. Okay, okay. Se- se- separate creatures, separate yes. beings. You're not crossing your fingers when you say that, right? You do mean that, that you won't get them confused. Very no, good. Not crossed. Let the record show, Keita's not crossing his fingers. I'm doing jazz hands right now. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Whereas the Goatman, very different, is a half-goat, half-man creature that haunts the woods and back roads of rural America, terrorizing and sometimes, dare I say, murdering. Let me tell you a real quick story about the Goatman, which has a bit of a basis in that investigations kind of proved that some of this at least happened. What they think happened and what actually happened, that's another story, but something happened. In 1971, in eastern Maryland, not far from DC, lies this road called Fletchertown Road. Today it's kind of suburban, but back in the day, you know, 50 years ago, this would have been a lot more remote and a lot more densely forested. And there, a family, the Edwards, lived. And their dog, Ginger, had gone missing one night. The night it disappeared, a group of teenage girls were hanging out nearby, one of them being an Edwards girl. And they heard strange noises coming from the woods. And then, from the darkness, they saw a large, tall creature emerged. Described as an animal-like creature, six feet tall, that walked on its hind legs and made a horrific, high-pitched, squealing noise. A number of people in the area would say that they saw the very same thing. Then, days later, Ginger the dog was found. Decapitated. Jesus. Okay. Mm. That genuinely did happen. Whether or not the goat man was involved is a very different story. But uh, who knows? He definitely was. So uh, and next up, we have another cryptid. The ape-like variety. I think this one could be... Like, I'm I'm not trying to discredit yours. I uh, you fucking better not be. <laughs> I mean, like, it could oh, what's that he said? <laughs> I'm just saying this one seems a lot more likely. So this is about the Rock Apes, which, of course, is also a great name for a band. That is cool. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You could say, we did mention it in a previous episode, that we used to be in a band. You could say we were Rock Apes. Nice. nice. We, should, we should start a new band and call yeah. it Rock Apes. We need to do our own uh, theme song. Our own oh, intro. Let me oh. get out my uh, bass. Slap it a bass. You can get out your guitar. Let's uh, let's rock and let's rock and roll. That's what people want to hear, right? Do you want to hear a, a good jam? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, hey, listen, when you're chilling out there, nothing beats a guy bringing out a guitar. Every party, he's the highlight of the party. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for this moment. Nobody rolls their eyes when that happens. <laughs> so most people, they're familiar with a. Uh, the cryptids that we mentioned above, the, the Loch Ness Monster, the Sasquatch, the Abominable Snowman, etc. Uh, however, the rock apes, or Batatuts, Batatuts. Batatuts, as they're known in Vietnam, are not as famous as the aforementioned cryptids. Nevertheless, during the Vietnam War, American troops reported a surprisingly high number of sightings of these mysterious creatures in the jungle. What's particularly intriguing is that many of these witnesses provided remarkably detailed descriptions of these encounters. Do tell. So a specific hill in Vietnam gained the nickname Monkey Mountain, which I'm sure you can guess why. <laughs> uh, so due to the sheer number of rock ape sightings reported there, while no remains of these unusual creatures were ever found, and there were no clear photographs captured, the fact that sightings of them were extensive and prevalent during the war, it remains its undeniable. I'm going to deny it right now, but continue. You're just saying that because I, I said that about your story. My one has claimed lives, Keith. <laughs> he did too. So the rock apes, where they were often depicted as humanoids resembling a Sasquatch, uh, categorized by their hairy appearance. 
They varied in height, ranging from three foot to seven feet. That's terrifying, seven feet. And they were known for their robust muscular build and some of them have noticeably protruding stomachs. So well fed. They were fat, tall, hairy people. Pretty much, a bit, bit, bit of a beer bin. <laughs> so, their fur came, tr- uh, came in a spectrum of colors, including red, orange, brown, and black, covering their bodies, except for areas such as their knees, the soles of their feet, their hands, and their face. Why would they on their knees so much? I don't know. I don't know. You tell me. I have some theories. Okay. <laughs> I won't say why, though. Okay. <laughs> Kids could be listening also. Yeah. Obviously, they're going down their knees to suck down a big old pile of oxygen, <laughs> fill their lungs, and say their prayers. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This is a family show. This is a kid friendly show. We welcome everybody to the That Chapter Podcast. <laughs> So rock apes are believed to dwell deep within the jungle, which has made them unafraid of humans and they're unhesitant to interact with them. Before the arrival of the American troops, there were accounts of rock apes approaching villagers and sitting alongside them. The forest inhabitants referred to as the forest people were even said to possess the ability to ignite fires for their own needs. However, following the presence of American troops, a shift in behavior was noted. You can keep talking. I'm going to do Vietnam music. Over okay. okay, okay. <laughs> so. Okay. So, no, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Keep, 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 I'm enjoying it too much. <laughs> Where's my bass? <laughs> Get the guitar. So the rock apes, they earned their name by throwing rocks. And in some instances, which is awesome, uh, were turning grenades when they were hurled at them. That's pretty funny. So the the, the Americans were chucking grenades at what they thought was the Viet Cong, and then also these rock apes were picking them up and going, oh, fucking <laughs> yeah, them yeah. back. But these creatures were um, also known to shout and express anger in a manner reminiscent of humans, often shaking their fists. <laughs> these, these darn kids. Yeah. Stories tell of aggressive attacks and other violent actions. Some exchanges resulting in gruesome human death by being torn limb from limb and having guts ripped out. Well, that's pretty gruesome. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Thank you. So initially, the descriptions of these creatures might suggest that they were possibly misidentified orangutans. However, it is worth noting that orangutans, like they did indeed inhabit Vietnam in the distant past, but yeah. they became extinct in the region like thousands of years ago. Yeah. Additionally, many of the accounts provided by the troops in Vietnam regarding the rock apes didn't align with typical behavior of orangutans. While orangutans can occasionally be social creatures, they predominantly spent their time foraging alone. In contrast, these rock apes appeared to live in groups or troops. Mm, as far as I know, my my knowledge, my extensive knowledge of orangutans is that orangutans are pretty chill blokes. Uh, from what I know. Yeah. They just like to hang out. I think they're pretty cool. They lays around. They yeah. lays around. They got these big fat heads. Yeah. They got this like red hair. I thought they were pretty, yeah, they're pretty cool. I can't imagine an orangutan throwing grenades at somebody. No, they're but strong that though. would be cool. I wonder if it was like, you know, like they were trapped in, like, like they were there thousands of years ago. I wonder if like someone went into the caves and yeah. evolved, like to descent. Like to descent. Yeah. So you're just bringing back to your favorite movie again. Uh, no worry. I can't get in my head. <laughs> I, just, I just need to watch it. <laughs> So sightings of rock apes uh, by the Viet Cong and NVA troops were, they were frequent enough that in 1974, General Hong Min Ta of the NVA organized an expedition with the aim of capturing, or at the very least, killing one of these mythical creatures. Unfortunately, the expedition did not yield success and no concrete evidence supporting the existence of rock apes was discovered. Ah, I don't know. A separate expedition led by 
Professor Vo Ki of Vietnam National University shared a similar fate of being unsuccessful. It's almost like they don't exist. What are you talking about? No. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I take that back. <laughs> cut that, cut that, cut that. <laughs> In 1970, however, Professor Tran Hong Viet from Hanoi's Pedagogic University stumbled upon unusual human-like, though not human, footprints in the jungle. He took casts of these footprints but did not find any additional evidence confirming the presence of rock apes. In the end, the enigma of Vietnam's mysterious rock apes leaves us with a series of unanswered questions. Were they perhaps orangutans or gibbons just misidentified? Yes. <laughs> Could they have been uh, products of hallucinations arising from the immense stress and turmoil experienced by these young minds at wartime? Also, there was like a lot of drugs being thrown around during this war. Uh, or might they represent uh, an entirely new species, one yet to be uncovered by the scientific community? Without concrete evidence, these questions remain unanswerable. It is possible that a fortunate researcher may one day unveil a breakthrough that astonishes the world. After all, the existence of the colossal squid, which you mentioned before, the mythical kraken, was, for the most part, dismissed as pure le legend, reminding us that the boundaries of discovery are ever-expanding. Indeed, they are. Now, the rock ape story is a fun one, but how about we get to some stories that, hmm, dare I say, have some proof behind them, or a lot more, um... <laughs> What's the word? You know, they're a lot more believable. They have a lot more, uh, you know, veracity to them. Um, these stories that I'm going to, the story I'm about to read you seems like it actually happened. How, how dare you, sir? How dare you? How, how dare you? <laughs> this is the story of the bunny man. Already legit. Yes. yes well, yeah. exactly. Better rock ape bunny man. Yeah. <laughs> Way Tom, more scary. Tombs two thumbs up from Mike <laughs> with bunny man. The horror of the bunny man is out of Virginia. And much like the Pope Lick monster, it involves a bridge. Your story oh. didn't have any bridges. My one has a bridge. That's two stories of bridges. Even Lord of Rings had a bridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's almost like the Bridge of Khazadun, you might say. <laughs> it's said that if you venture under a bridge on Colchester Road, Fairfax County, outside of Arlington, if you go to that underpass on Halloween, something bad will happen. Mm, ding, okay. ding, ding. Yeah. If it's got Halloween in it, yeah. you know it's true. You've sold me. Yeah. Maybe, just maybe, you will be butchered by the bunny man on the spookiest night of all. The legend goes a little something like this. Well, uh, one version anyways. In 1904, there was an insane asylum not far from the bridge. But the locals, they didn't like that too much. So they got it closed down. All the patients then were removed by bus to go to a nearby prison. But, en route... The bus hit a slippery patch, swerved, and then careened and crashed into a tree on the side of the road. The inmates who were on that bus fled into the woods on either side of the road. Now, police were called and all inmates were swiftly captured. Save one. Mm. That was Douglas Griffin. And try as they might, they couldn't find him in those woods. Soon after, bloodied rabbit corpses began appearing all over the place. He was eating rabbits alive to satisfy his hunger. Then, one Halloween night, a group of teens were hanging out under the bridge, but they never came home. The next morning, they were all found, strung up, and gutted. If you go back on Halloween, you might just meet the same fate, Keith. God damn. Mmm, that's what I'd say. I like that story. That was good. I had, I had bridges. Yeah, it was great. It's good. 
<laughs> Ticks all of my boxes. <laughs> now, how you say it all, there is an element of truth to this one. Um, in one night, right, in October 1970, a man was getting a down mm-hmm. with a chick in his car in his local area, right? And they said, get this, that suddenly a man appeared out of nowhere that dark night and he ran at the car. He was wielding a hatchet and dressed like a bunny rabbit. White suit, long ears. He was also yelling something about private property, though. So. Mm, okay. But, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Two weeks later, though, the same man was seen again. He was not a mirage. He really existed. Bunny suit, axe, and all, at night, in October. This time, he was chopping at the roof of a house. Then he was seen a third time. He later accosted two people because they were they were also on his property, though. So. But like when you said like he was in the... I thought maybe, oh, maybe he was at a costume party. But this is the third time now, and he's still in the bunny suit. Yeah, but it's three times in October. Oh. So it's most likely he was just some guy who's, who's just dressing up for... I mean, you know, Halloween is one night, but October is an entire month. That's true. But also, if he's the kind of guy that runs up people dressed as a bunny suit with a hatchet, I can't imagine he's the type of person to get invited to three separate parties. Well, he was having his own party. Oh, okay. He just really didn't want people around, though, at his party because he was very obsessed with his private property. That's fair enough. So much so, he ran at them with a hatchet. In fact, in two of the stories, it's been uh, said that he threw the hatchet at the car, like a tomahawk. He wanted a party, but just not how most people wanted a party, I think. Got it. But it's a good story. I like it. Uh, you know, so, right. Most likely it was an oddball who dressed like a bunny for Halloween or for various Halloween parties. And he was just p- pissed off that people are on his land. But who knows? He could have been an escaped mental patient who strung kids up, uh, you know, at a bridge. I'm going to leave it to you to decide, but I highly encourage you to agree with me that it's an escaped <laughs> mental patient. And that's what happened. Next up, we have Chaba Fofi, right? And this okay. one... This next cryptid, we're kind of like, we are kind of mixing urban legends and cryptids here, mm. but you know what? I don't care. <laughs> this one is Chabafofi, and it's a shout out to all my arachnophobes out there, arachnophobic peoples out there. This is a shout out to y'all. Deep in the heart of the endless Congolese jungle, British explorer Arthur John Symes was on an expedition. This was Stanley Livingston style, you know, colonial hats, khaki, elephant rifles, all that shit. So while he was in that dense jungle swinging his machete, oh, a picture just fell as we were recording this live. Live oh reaction, my God. Keith. Wow. Which photo was that? Which picture it was It was the one of uh, Salem. Oh, spooky. <laughs> yeah, is this place haunted? <laughs> that was great. That fell off right, right after that. That was actually really creepy because that's been up there for months and it just fell off right now. Yeah. Well, like that was solidly up there with that blue tack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this blue tack is indestructible. <laughs> well, uh, anyways, uh, where was I? Oh yeah, giant spiders. So, um, sorry about that, folks. But um, that's that's well, a bit spooky. Maybe turn the lights on, buddy. We do have a candle here. We actually have a candle between me and Keith. It's a Sleepy Hollow candle. Mm. A candle I got in Sleepy Hollow, New York, Hudson Valley. It smells delightful. By it the is, way, it is quite nice. Uh, I got it in a store there. Can't remember. I, I need to stop getting so off track that I go really off track. Yeah. <laughs> it's very easy for me to lose my train of thought. I'm talking about giant spiders. <laughs> Anyways, so while he was out there swinging his machete, cutting through the endless vines and brush, the sky not visible. They were so deep in this rainforest surrounded by all manner of creatures. They came across a giant spider web. Further on, Arthur saw something cross the trail ahead. At first, he thought it was a cat. But then he slowly realized it was an immense spider. Suddenly, 
the party was attacked, with Arthur being bitten, and he later died by a spider's venom. That's terrifying. It is. I'm not a big fan of spiders. Then, in 1938, Orr K. Lloyd and his wife were driving through Belgian Congo when they saw one cross the road right in front of them. They said it was three feet across. Massive. Bleeding massive, so he was. Jeez. Yeah, apparently the wife was shat herself. The husband wanted to take a picture of it, <laughs> but before he could get his camera out, it had disappeared into the jungle. Allegedly, the locals in the area have spoken of the beasts, that they know all about these giant spiders, or chabafofi, as they call them. Giant spider, brown with purple marks, and can grow to at least five feet across said to be extremely dangerous, and the locals give them a wide berth when they come across them, as they had killed people in the past. And here's another story. And by story, I mean a comment I found on YouTube, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> nobody lies on YouTube. <laughs> this guy, okay, I'll read it out verbatim. I briefly pers- participated in missionary work in the Congo in the late 1980s, and can say with my hand on my heart, that me and six other locals witnessed a Jibaba Fofi scurry across the road slash clearing into the bush just five feet away from us, about an hour outside of Gamboma. It looked exactly like a long-legged tarantula, but was about the size of a medium-sized dog, like a pit bull or something. Of course, everyone I've ever told says, yeah, sure, dude, just a big spider, monkey, spray a monkey or a sloth or something. But I know what I saw, and I feel lucky to have seen it. He says, end quote. Um, honestly, I would feel unlucky if I'd seen that, because that would give right. me nightmares Terrifying. forever. Now, this is a cool story. I'm going to ignore the fact that it's literally impossible for spiders to get bigger than they are due to body structure. And if there was more oxygen in the atmosphere, spiders would get bigger. There were giant spiders in the dino days. But the way they describe it, the story is literally biologically impossible to happen. But disregard all that, because it actually happened. There could be a new species. That's how we're talking about cryptids. They exactly. might have evolved. Yes. Yeah. Yes. These are, these are spiders who don't obey your freaking laws of biology, man. Yeah, you can't comprehend these spiders, man. They were in The Hobbit. The, spider, oh, the spiders of Mirkwood. That's, that says enough for me. The Lord of Rings sounds more and more like a documentary the more we get into it. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> So let me stick. I've got another story for you, right? This will blow your mind. This is uh, stick okay. with Africa again for this one. Okay, okay. How about the ferocious Makolo Membe? Probably saying that completely wrong, but um, I don't know any better. That is said to be a dinosaur that lives in the Congolese jungle. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's best friends with our little, little spiders over mm. here. It's been described as looking like a Brachiosaurus or something like that, like a long neck, long tail, walks on four feet. The only reason I know Brachiosaurus is because it was in Jurassic Park. Nice. The first reported sighting was a German guy who was conducting a survey in 1913, and he heard stories about an enormous creature in those dense jungles. He heard the stories so much that he actually detailed them in an official report, and he said these stories came from non-bullshitters. Now, these stories swept Europe by storm, as fascination with dinosaurs was taken off, and in the 80s there were even expeditions to go and find the gosh darn thing. Supposedly, they found footprints of it, but incredibly... And wait till you hear this. They found nothing at all. Oh, no. (laughs) Shocked. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Keith, your turn. Okay. So I I have have a good story. It's called the the Fresno. It's good. It's a high bar to cross. Okay, well, go higher, man. It's (laughs) it's up there. This is called the Fresno Nightcrawlers. 
So the Fresno Night Nightcrawler, sometimes referred to as the Fresno Alien, is a cryptid creature that has made two, count it, two documented, two. two documented appearances to date. One in Fresno, California, and the other in Yosemite National Park. For those of you who like to have proof with your cryptids, don't know who you are, but I mean, some uh, people, proof. Some people like proof, but no, you know what? You, proof is for the weak-minded. Exactly, but you know, if you want it, you got it. Both sightings were caught on camera. <gasps> mm-hmm. So, the encounter with a Fresno Nightcrawler occurred in Fresno, California, 2007. What are the odds, by the way, that the Fresno Nightcrawler was seen in Fresno? Crazy, That's right? like Lou Gehrig dying of <laughs> Lou Gehrig's disease. That's mad. <laughs> what a coincidence. Of all the places. It involved a man named Jose he had set up a surveillance camera to monitor his front yard and it, he and happened to glance at the camera feed when he heard his dogs barking. To Jose's shock, the cameras didn't catch any wild animals or intruders, but something that seemed to defy explanation. The grainy footage appeared to show a pair of white pants. Practically, <laughs> 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 I can't even try to say that seriously. <laughs> I'm doing my best. White pants, practically gliding across his front yard. He promptly roused his brother to review the footage as well. Following the incident, his brother claimed to have spotted small footprints outside also. However, when investigators arrived at the scene, all traces of evidence had been washed away. Unfortunately, the original CCTV footage from the initial sighting had been lost also. Oh. I know. Sorry, by the way, for <laughs> playing uh, that song. <laughs> you listening to that? No. <laughs> a thousand miles is... So, for the folks at home, I'm on my laptop and I'm trying to view this footage and somebody's put... Oh, um, okay, okay. okay. Vanessa Carlton's <laughs> A Thousand Miles to it, which, frankly, kind of makes it better. And it's... It's... So, it's literally... It's literally a pair of white pants. <laughs> it's literally a pair of white pants walking across the, the screen. It's pretty funny. Just Google the Fresno Nightcrawler, folks. You'll see it. Highly recommend. That's so funny. I was like, is, is this story that boring? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm locked in. I'm, I'm, I'm trying gonna... to... You speak about footage. I'm trying to see it here, dude. Oh, that's so funny. So anyway, yeah, the, the original CCTV footage from the initial sighting was lost, leaving only a grainy video recorded from a monitor uh, as the remaining evidence. Uh, I was just about to say that there is a video on YouTube of this footage. Yeah, and, uh, it's got yeah, a wicked soundtrack. It basically looks like a, <laughs> it basically looks like a pair of white pants, uh, flares or bell bottoms walking across a lawn on their own. So it didn't take much time for another sighting of the Fresno Nightcrawler to occur. In 2011, security cameras within Yosemite National Park also appeared to capture a similar phenomenon. An entity resembling pants slowly making their way across the park. Unfortunately, this footage is not much better than the first. However, this time it captured what looks like two pairs of white trousers walking together. One big mm. and one small. Possibly a mother and child. Big nightcrawler and a baby nightcrawler. I'm looking at it right now. They're walking very, very weirdly. I mean, you could say they're walking like, um, what's it called? You know, uh, th like, is it, what's it called? Like a puppet? Oh, yeah. You could say that. Yeah. Marionette, is that what it's called? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So you could say it looks like they're being pulled by strings. You'd be wrong if you said that, because <laughs> they're clearly some kind of unexplained creature. But you could say it. You could say what it. what I'm saying. Yeah. You can say anything, really. You can say anything. You want, hey, listen, free speech and all that. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> but I just think you're wrong if you say that. That's my opinion. 
So, what precisely is the Fresno Nightcrawler? I don't know. Well, while there's no definite answer, numerous theories about this California cryptid have emerged. The cryptid exhibits a somewhat humanoid appearance with two legs, often observed in pairs. I would say often observed in pairs with two videos and one of them. So, you know, it's a 50-50 chance. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So it's often enough. 50% of the time it's observed, so that's often. 50% of the time, every time. Uh, <laughs> this characteristic has prompted, uh, has prompted speculation, with some suggesting an extraterrestrial origin, while others have tried to link the Fresno Nightcrawler to Native American folklore. Nonetheless, it's essential to note that neither of these theories is supported by substantial evidence. And by that, they mean no evidence at all. Nothing at all. <laughs> the sci-fi show Fact or Faked also investigated the Fresno Nightcrawler myth in 2012, but were unable to determine if it was a hoax. Whether or not the Fresno Nightcrawler is a hoax, people have fallen in love with it in more ways than mm. one. So you can you can go on Amazon. There is a book which uh, is called Naked with the Fresno Nightcrawlers, an outdoor cryptid sex short. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'm opening up Amazon right now. Let me get my card out. Oh, man. It looks sexy as hell. It's got like naked with the Fresno Nightcrawlers written on front. And then it has like them on the top of it. But they they're like sexy like it's like them, but sexy. I don't know how they did it, but they pulled it off. Very sexy. You can see a preview of the book. Oh, can we read it out? The guy won't sue us if we read it out, will he? Sydney Stamps, I love you. Don't sue us. Yeah, I don't know if it's a guy or a girl. Or it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a guy. It's a guy, you think? Uh, just from what I've read, probably, yeah. It's probably a guy. <laughs> <laughs> the reviews of it are 30% 5 star. Oh, okay. 30% 4 star. 30% 3 star. And then 0 1 star 2 stars. So it must be pretty good. He's written other books as well. This guy. Oh, yeah. Sydney? Sibley, yeah. sorry. So the same uh, the same author wrote another book called Bigfoot, Rough and Wild, oh. Four Tales of a Giant <laughs> Cryptid Sex. The book, the book contains the following stories. Okay. Let, me, <laughs> let me read. Let me, tell you, uh, let me tell you the names of these stories. The first one, Pounded by Bigfoot. <laughs> let me compose myself. The next one, Suckled by Bigfoot. Nice. The next story. Tasting Bigfoot. Ooh. And uh, my person. <laughs> my personal favourite. Backdoored by Bigfoot. Backdoored by Bigfoot. Sibley Stamps, you were a national treasure. Oh my god, yes, man, it's amazing. Sibley Stamps is a Pacific Northwest author of monster erotica. Monsters, cryptids, tentacle aliens and dinosaurs need love too. Hell yeah. Oh man, we need to do a live reading of Sibley Stamps' work. They're magnum opus. Oh man. That's so good. Oh, if we ever do, we'll, I'm sure we'll do a part two of urban legends and cryptids and monsters and stuff. That's got to come back. That's got to come back. I'm sure we'll do when one of these becomes known to the scientific community. Which uh, I'm sure it will. And we can be like, at some point. told you. Yeah, exactly. Then we go back and listen to this and say, well, you're laughing at Mike. Well, look who's laughing now. These aren't more stories than uh, memoirs. These uh, sex stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. These actually happen now. All right. Uh, well, here, listen, not a red rhymes of this episode. I think we're like almost at an hour long. So that'll oh, do God, it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apart from the picture hanging, falling from the wall. That was creepy. That was creepy. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, it. It is October, which means it's time for spooky season. That's it. I'm going to go and get my pumpkin spice latte. And I love pumpkin spice the best. Uh, it's, it's all right. It's fine. Yeah, see, I'm like the kind of person who like overdoes it with pumpkin spice in like a day and then if I ever smell pumpkin spice, I'll puke immediately. Like by November, you're sick of it? Yeah, yeah. Because like every time, you know, they do like pumpkin ale and shit mm, yeah around like october and i'll be like oh fuck yeah man and then I'll, I'll drink it and then i'll like i'll drink it so much that i'll get probably 
sick off it. And then it's that whole thing of like, if I smell it, I'll probably get very nauseous and might puke again. But you know what? I'm looking forward to doing it. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't done it this year and I'm excited (laughs) to do it. All right. I hope you are too. Uh, For all of you listening, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the That Chapter podcast. It means a lot. I hope you go out and get some, uh, you know, go ahead and get some, get some spooky stuff on. Go watch a horror movie. Go get a pumpkin spice, whatever. Do your thing. Tis the season. Here's the season indeed, and I hope you enjoyed this little episode. Uh, thank you again so much for listening. It means a lot to me and Keith. You're spending some time with us. And uh, yeah, Keith, you want to have the final word? The final word. Oh, that's a big one. No, no I've, I've, I'm not words. I, I think we covered it all. It's great. I can't... Uh, I'm actually... I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, again, I'm looking forward to doing the next one. Again, we're, we're going to stick with the spookiness, I think. We are going to stick with the spookiness. I mean, here, listen, this is the year for it. I mean, so far, I mean, so far when I look at all the episodes we've done, we've done historical stuff. Mm. Serial killers. Mm-hmm. Um, modern day serial killers, witch stuff, vampires, weird shit. Mm-hmm. All classified under horror and weird shit. So we will be doing more, of course. But, you know, it's it's the month for doing spooky shit. So I think we should stick with it. And then, you know, in November, then we'll get back to probably more serial killers and the like. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, next uh, episode will probably be about something Halloween-y. Maybe we'll keep it close to home. Maybe we will. Oh, mm. spoiler alert. We might keep it close to home indeed. So look forward to that. But uh, until then, here, listen. Thanks so much for listening. See ya. See ya. All right. You guys have been great. Thank you.